Aloha and welcome to the Murph's Place 808 for the Love of Golf podcast. I'm your host Murph. Today we have a special guest in the studio today, uh, Mr. Tommy Hollenbeck. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy. (laughs) Tommy, it's uh, good to have you in the studio today come in and talk to us about some golf and some other topics today how you doing i am doing fine my brother fine and again i'm sorry the special guest couldn't make it and you called a friend uh, well that uh, i would not consider you a replacement you are as good as the original guest should have been here thank you merv yeah you're I, welcome I, I feel the tenderness and and friendship and bonding of course of Let, course let's talk golf let's talk some golf and we have our uh uh, adult beverages here today so yes we do <clears throat> so obviously on this podcast tommy we talk talk about golf and some issues surrounding golf so let's talk about your yourself how did you get into golf well uh i got into golf by my father-in-law introduced me to the game of golf i just come home from the marine corps uh, my fiance was living in austin texas it turned out that her father's closest friend one of his closest friends was a guy named charlie crenshaw they invited me out to uh country club of austin which is now austin country club to play around the golf with them i'd never played before and rounding out our little group was charlie's son ben and his friend tom kite who were just out of high school and going to the university of texas so my original game of golf was with two of the most renowned players in golf history today and i fell in love with the game i just uh, you know, couldn't play it worth a damn, but loved it. And so I've been playing it ever since. And and what year was that? When did you start? 71. 71. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Kind of old. <laughs> 71. <laughs> 71 and you just got out of, out of the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah. 71, I was in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, and you know, and a lot of people forget back then, you know, because, um, scorecards then were on tablets um you had to know your roman numerals <laughs> yeah you know a long time ago long time ago and uh, i enjoyed it i enjoyed it immensely and and i think like most um guys pick up the game uh you know if you were an athlete and you know in high school you you played baseball you played whatever you played right sticking a ball you played with it right yep. and so how difficult can golf really be and uh, so you start playing it and the you know you know you start aiming five miles to the left so it'll land on the right and or you aim to the right five miles so it lands on the left and you have absolutely no idea what the ball is doing and why it's doing or how to make it do something different right and so you go through i don't know five, 10, 15 years of playing golf um, and never wondering why you you don't get any better. And uh, until you make that commitment that, hey, you know, I'm gonna take some lessons, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna practice, I'm gonna practice, I'm gonna practice, then you, voila, you get better. Yeah, you know? and, so did you, um, speaking of practicing and, and getting better, I, I talked about this in one of my earlier podcasts about that I never really had any formal lessons. I never took any lessons from a pro. I, all the lessons I got were through Golf Magazine and Golf Digest. And then when I, I would go out to the, the range and work on those things that I read about. Have you ever had lessons from pros? Did you ever take any lessons from pros? Or <laughs> I uh, could probably buy a small country with the amount of money I spent on lessons. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I've taken lessons from some of the great teachers. I've taken a lesson from, uh, a couple lessons from Harvey Pennock when, uh, he was live in Austin and then from Eddie Marin's, uh, Bel Air Country Club in LA and, uh, who I'll never forget kept on saying, you swing the handle, not the club, you know? And, uh, so, uh, but the problem with me in, in lessons, I'm a visual kind of person and it made it very difficult for me to visualize what they were trying to tell me to do because I couldn't see what I was doing. I mean, you know, and, 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 and the more of a gifted athlete you are, the easier it is to, I think, get to the game of golf. But when you're an average or below average athlete like myself, it's a little bit more difficult. And it wasn't until I got to golf tech where I could see what they were telling me I needed to do or what I was doing wrong or what more importantly what I was doing right that I started getting better 
and uh and it took me um jason Geigert at, at golf tech here in Honolulu took me from your basic 24 23 handicap uh down to 11.3 index and then of course i had shoulder surgery and now we're in a rebuilding stage and then of course got the corona so you're not in the practice stage so it's been a struggle but you know i got nothing better to do yeah um <laughs> So what what do you think? What were you shooting when you first started playing golf? What was your average score? Mm, probably ninety five to one hundred five. Okay. So, um, and what do you think? Did you establish a handicap at that time when you first started playing? Sure. What yeah. What was your handicap when you first started? Mm, twenty three, twenty four, right in there. So, and then, and how long ago do you think that was? Mm. Not back to seventy one, probably, right? No, no, I, the. When I was over, well, let's see, we've been in Hawaii now 14 years, and when I was over on the Big Island playing, my index was, you know, 18 or something like that, and I told the guys I was going to down to a 10 uh, before the end of the year and bet everybody 100 bucks I could do it. Um, I lost a lot of money then because uh, that <laughs> never materialized. <laughs> but we got close, right? And I think I got it down to a 13 and then finally to an 11 over here. Um, and, and I think I would have stayed at that 13, 14, whatever it might have been, um, had it not been for Golf Tech. But Golf Tech turned my game around almost overnight. Yeah. You know. Um, what's your best golf story? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my best golf story well i think uh one of the better uh golf stories with what i call our, our 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 dallas trip and what we did is uh my best friend another friend another friend uh, all met in dallas and we played uh, uh preston trails country club we played brook hollow we played dallas national dallas national is Texas version of Augusta National. Uh, Preston Trails is where they used to play the uh, Byron Nelson. And when the PGA said you had to allow women into their clubhouse, they said no. That's when they moved it to Las Colinas. And then um, uh, Brook, uh, uh, Brookhaven, no, Brook Hollow is another exclusive private club. And Preston Trails was our favorite because it was men only and no tennis and no swimming pool and no women. And, and no rules. Uh, they didn't, when they opened the club, they had literally no rules at the club. And uh, you could play in your bathing suit if you wanted to. You could play naked if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, they didn't care. And Mickey Mantle, who was a member, was notorious for walking around the clubhouse and out in the putting green naked. Wow. So <laughs> when, when Mickey died, they instilled the first rule of the club. And that is you got to at least wear a towel when you're walking around the clubhouse. So we thought that was just fantastic. I didn't know you had a band here. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I forgot the phone was connected to the, <laughs> to the podcast. Well, it um, was. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Anyhow, back, back to your story about Mickey Mantle. I, I thought I remember you telling me a story, something about somebody used to sign a baseball oh, when you lost a bet. What, yeah. what was that story? Well, the deal with Mickey was if he, you know, you bet him on the golf course and he lost, he would give you a baseball sign that said, fuck you, I ain't paying, Mickey Mantle. Oh, <laughs> and obviously that's where you got the, the I'm not paying thing when you, when right. we have bets, when right. we play. Absolutely. And I, and I, I gotta tell for all the 36 listeners you have out there, uh, <laughs> that when you're losing and you're making your way down number 15 or 16, you're down a few bucks. Just tell them you're not paying. I mean, you're going to pay, but you feel so much better telling them, <laughs> tell them that you're that, not, not going to pay. <laughs> It just feels good. And that's what golf is all about. Feeling good. Right. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, when you were talking about uh, playing the other sports, I, and I mentioned that also, that I, I also played the other sports too. But once I started playing golf, I found that golf was the most competitive, most challenging, not competitive, but most challenging sport that I had ever played. Because a lot of people think like in, in, a, in a lot of the other sports, you can play good and you can play good all the time. And I don't want to use the term you can beat the game, 
but a lot of people think that they can beat golf, that they can always shoot 72 every single time they play, and that's just not the way this game is. Because one day you may shoot 72, but the next day you may shoot 82. Uh, you know, and I think we could all... I always remind myself of Bob Duvall, of, you know, t- talking about a fall from grace. Here was a guy that was number one golfer in the world, and, you know, shooting... 60s and 59s like there was nothing and then one day he comes out and there's nothing <laughs> and there hasn't been anything since and it, 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 and that's that's golf and and unlike in other sports with golf uh it's just you i mean it's it's just you and and and, and the demon inside of you right yeah and i and i also mentioned that too that it's more of a mental game than a physical game obviously it's i would say probably golf is 95 percent mental and five percent physical because that's where uh, the times that i've played my best rounds i didn't i wasn't thinking about playing golf i was just getting up hitting the ball and having a good time having a good Mm -hmm. good good round but i never once i start thinking about oh i gotta shoot this number to shoot this score i gotta i gotta make a par here to do this that's when I find that I play my worst. Is it the same with you, or, or, or does your mental part not even take part in it? Well, I think, the, you know, they always say it's, uh, uh, it's, it's game of inches. And in, the, in hitting a golf ball, it's the two and a half inches before you hit it and the two and a half inches after you hit it. And, and it's the same inches, the two and a half inches going in the left ear and the two and a half inches coming out the right ear. So it's golf of inches, not only physically, but mentally. And you, you do, I, I think probably my biggest fault is that I'll get on a roll and then I start thinking about that I'm on a roll and then all of a sudden I'm off the roll, you know, because I'm not as mentally strong. And it used to be I could hold it longer when you're younger, but when you get older, it's a little bit more difficult, you know? Right. Um, I've only broken 80 twice you know, uh, 78 and 76 and the 76 came two years ago. Um, so it's also a game that, that, uh, knows no age limit. Uh, you know, you can, uh, you can still shoot those low rounds. Uh, when you're, you're older, my, uh, wife's, uh, father was playing golf to his 92 years old, you know? So right. It, and, and that's one of the things I love about golf is it's a sport you can take to your grave. Yeah. It's a game that you can play forever yeah it's not like you know basketball there came a point in time when i was playing basketball that it got to the point that my uh mind knew what move i wanted to do Mm -hmm. but my body was like "Mm -mm, no we're not doing that (laughs) we're we're not doing that (laughs) right (laughs) so all right uh let's take a short break and we'll be right back all right welcome back everybody uh both of you in the stu- both, both of you <laughs> in, in the studio we got Tommy Hollenbeck uh, um, Tommy is a playing partner with me on the uh, Beach Boys Golf Club and the VGA Tour which what do you think are we going to be able to get to play this state tournament in Kapalua on in October well I think that um, yes and, and it might not be October but it may be November because the hiccup is is that we can go to Maui without a 14-day quarantine, but coming back to Oahu because of our political non-leadership here, we have a 14-day quarantine. But in talking to uh, the management of the PGA, it, it, if we don't get the lockdown removed by October, then we just move it to November, and then if we have to, maybe December. But I think we'll get it in. Yeah, it just makes it tough because I mean, you, it's hard to plan. You know, you got to book a. I, 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 we, like I'm sure you already did. I already paid for my entry fee into the tournament yep however you know i gotta still book a flight i still gotta book a place to stay and it's hard to do that to book them now and then have to cancel again and this because this is the second time i've had to cancel yeah well i i booked my room haven't canceled it yet but told her that i may have to switch it around a little bit um and you know hopefully you know we get to go i mean i was supposed to go to here's an awful story for you uh i was supposed to go to uh georgia and play golf with my best friend david and he tells me that we're going to play at Eagles Landing and have a great time. And then we're going to go down to uh, Augusta and play Augusta Country Club. Well, you <laughs> you could imagine the excitement in my little pitter-patter heart. In fact, I, you know, I was reaching for, I was thinking, this is going to be a big one, Alice, you know, because <laughs> we're going to play Augusta. <laughs> and then he explained to me it was 
Augusta Country Club, not Augusta National. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes a little bit of a difference, but so there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> but they're close together, aren't they? They, they you, the fairways knuckle up right each to this. When you're going down the, one of the fairways at uh, Augusta Country Club, you're going right alongside Amen Corner, so it's very very cool. David was born and raised in Augusta. Well, well, by your um, by your standards. Um, you would have played Augusta National. If you remember the story you told me about you and uh, Billy golfing at the Clipper that one time, and uh, <laughs> he told me you guys were playing with Obama, and oh. I said, There's no, you weren't playing golf with Obama, and you were like, yeah, he was on number 10, we were on number one. I played golf with Obama. Well, he was in the vicinity, you know. Uh, I travel with him sometimes because I remember flying at like 37,000 feet. We saw Air Force One going by. Uh, so I've flown with him. Uh. That's all. Okay. Well, by your standards, then, we also had drinks with Kenny G. Absolutely. We had Kenny G and uh, uh, a fine young man. Uh, and I... And speaking of what, tell that story about when we went to Riviera. Tommy is a uh, a member of Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles. And uh, let me preface this by saying um, I was invited to go play Riviera like three different times by this guy. First, the t for the first time he invited me, um, I was geared up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going. And next thing I know, uh, Murph, uh, uh, somebody else is going. You can't go. Yeah, so I thought, okay, all right, well, no problem. Second time, same thing. Murph, you want to go play Riviera? Sure. A couple weeks later, Murph, uh, we're not going now. Sorry. So he did ask me a third time, and I was leery. I almost <laughs> told him to go pack sand. But I was like, all right, I'll, I'll bite. I'll bite. Yes, I, I'd like to play Riviera. And actually, he came through on that one. I thank you, Tommy, for taking me to play Riviera. It was a great time, a great course. Um but yeah, tell tell the story about uh, when we when we got there, we were on the range hitting balls, and and uh, we saw a couple of people. Kenny G was there, hitting balls, and then so um, we didn't know if he was playing or practicing. So yeah, it was Kenny G and uh, Larry David from Kirby Enthusiasm, and they were you know hitting you know, on the range, and uh, so we uh, teed off, and uh, we get around to number ten, which is uh, uh, probably. The best part for uh, in in golf, it's a three hundred and ten yard par four. Is that the one I birdied? Uh, the one surrounded by all the bunkers. Yeah, is that the one I birdied that you, you said birdied? Justin Thomas took a or Jordan Spieth took an eight on? Yeah, that one. Oh, okay, that one. That yeah, one. yeah that, that is a good hole. Yeah, it is good. Now, you know, I think we need to tell people that you bought three mulligans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy any mulligans. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm there on the, uh, you know, I'm in front of the uh, uh, green, and uh, then whew, here comes a ball just sailing by, and uh, it turns out that uh, it was Kenny G uh, hitting the golf ball at me. And, yeah, uh, almost so hit you. It landed right hit. beside you. Yeah, it landed right beside me, and in his defense, you know, from 300 yards away, I mean, how are you going to see me? I'm a midget. Yeah, uh, you so. are kind of short. Yeah, you know. Uh, we were actually going to name this podcast today uh, the Murph and Smurf Show. <laughs> The only problem being you weren't, you're not blue. You're about as tall as a Smurf, but you're not blue. <laughs> but if you keep having some more of those adult beverages, you might turn blue. I might, I might, you know, I might. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, sometimes during my golf game, I turn blue because I'm very sad. <laughs> you, you know, something I noticed about you though, Tommy is, um, in, in, I used to have a problem when I used to golf and, and I still see it not from myself today as much, but I see it from other golfers that, they get really, really mad and and can't let a bad shot go. They'll hold on to it and com they'll be mad about it even on the next hole. Um, I found and I used to be that guy, throw clubs, you know, be pissed for the for the next two or three holes, and all it did was make me play worse. I noticed that about you that when you hit a bad shot, it's not a matter of getting mad anymore. Uh, you kind of make uh, a little joke about your anger management classes paying off. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, if there's one 
another tip that I give people about playing golf is it's fine to get mad about a, a bad shot that you hit because we're all not perfect. And I, I, here's another thing that um, speaking about perfect shots, you get some people they'll they'll watch golf on TV and they'll see these guys hit these amazing shots. And it seems like they never hit a bad shot. Well, that's not true because working with the Golf Channel guys over at the Sony Open um, and also at the Lotte here for the LPGA, um, knowing the ins and outs about uh, when the director wants guys to call in, oh, hey, this guy is putting for eagle or this guy hit this shot. It's They don't always show all the bad shots that – not that they hit a lot. They don't hit a lot of bad shots, but they do on occasion hit bad shots. I've hit, I've seen Tiger hit a shot and I've go hey I've I've hit that shot before I can do that, mm-hmm. um, so knowing that the the majority of shots that you're being seen on TV or being shown on TV are the good ones because the director is is showing those shots they have spotters out there and they they call right. in on the radio hey um, this guy's getting ready to putt for eagle so they'll cut to him and show the putt but you just gotta if you hit a bad shot it's fine to be mad about it you know say a bad word every now and then which i do but i don't let it i don't keep it inside and keep it you know making me mad for the rest of the round because all you do is end up playing worse have you found that in your golf game well i don't think um you know i used to in in the olden days um i think you know and i think when you're younger you have a tendency more to be more emotional about your disappointing shots you know uh we've all have friends out here that you know that's um they're pretty hard on themselves when something happens and i'm not so much like that i mean when i'm when i make the light about the you know my anger management class are paying off that's a release for me you know and i and i try to have a that's kind of like you saying the f word right you know, being mad about the shot that's your release instead of being mad about it you say that instead right, right. and just kind of get it out or you know it, it, you know you come to a point like like yesterday we were playing it was about first time we've been out there in three weeks right so i'm gonna pl- complain about anything i mean the, i could hit 50 balls out of bounds and i would have still been happy yeah you, yeah that was know? nice getting out yesterday and getting to play right well, so, however we had to go to the military course to do that right because they're under federal guidelines and not state so. right but so you know when i made you know i made some shots and i was just you know eh, made, made some shots and then you know as it came around the golf game you know comes around um yesterday and another thing about the golf game is is if you're doing something you know you're doing it inside you know you're i'm gonna try to do that like i i said yesterday i was on number nine and i said okay i want to hit this cut around to the green because i got this stupid tree growing here and i gotta go around it right so i tried to remember everything that i had read about cutting a shot and i executed it and i was just hell yeah right hell yeah you know now i'm the only one that knows that i did that right because you're not talking to a caddy wasn't talking to any of you guys right you know and and that's one of the rewards of golf is that you know you you say you're going to do something come around and do it and voila you do it um when i drain that one putt to beat you on that hole (laughs) (laughs) oh okay hold on now hold on let's not get all excited you yes you did drain that putt to beat me on the hole but i had to give you a stroke on that hole like but you had a four and uh, you had a five i had a four Oh, that's okay. You did beat me out right on that hole. Yes, that's I right. did. Yep. Yes, I did. Okay, I which, stand correct. Which is why I made that putt so much more important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. But I mean, that's it, 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 it's just part of the uh, 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 of the game. And the other thing that I think about the game is that is the little uh, uh, things of excitement that happen to your game. And I'll tell you uh, one of my favorite golf stories, if you will. We're in it, Eagles Landing Country Club. In, in Georgia and on the uh, course or at the course at the clubhouse was a hotel and uh, these guests would occasionally come and then walk around the golf course like on the cart paths you know that were paved like it was a city park and number nine you come up number nine and the cart path is over to the left and then swamp and jungle and snakes and raccoons are over on the right Bill Cantrell is up on the tee box. He's a captain for, at the time, for Delta Airlines. Really good stick. And uh, getting ready to hit. And we noticed jogging down the cart path, some lady 
you know, jogging along, little headsets on, not paying attention to, to whatever. No, I don't think she had a headset on. And uh, now, too long ago, she didn't have a headset on. And so she's jogging down the path. And Bill hits his drive, and it flares out to the right end of the jungle. And Bill yells, get down, bitch! <laughs> At which time the girl takes a head dive into the cart path. <laughs> She's obviously not familiar with golf <laughs> golf terms, or her, she, she would have known the word four is when you dive down and get out of the way. <laughs> well, that's what Bill said, and then what she did, and we're and rather than render aid, we're all falling all over ourselves on the tee box laughing. <laughs> That's good. That is a good one. Um, and, and I know you're famous for um, driving away and your bag falling off your cart, which is a common prank that a lot of people play. And no, that's not me pranking you. That's your your uh, mental capabilities for getting to restrap your bag up after you unstrap it to get something out of one of your pockets. I got uh, the same problem with my zipper. Yeah. Well, have you ever pulled any good golf pranks on any guys? I, I think, and, and this is one that, that, uh, that all guys out there should remember and think about and who they could prank. Um, several, maybe three years ago, um, called a buddy of mine, Howard Kent, who was the mixologist over at King's Course in Waikoloa. And I call Howard, and we're good golf buddies, and I say, hey, buddy, got a hell of a deal. Friend of mine's private jet, gonna fly from Dallas to Augusta, go to the Masters, come back. All we gotta do is get our asses from Honolulu to Dallas, and everything's on the hotel, car rental, food, booze, private jet, Masters tickets, the whole thing. Are you in? Let me call, let me call Camille, let me find out. So, all right, I'll hold. So he runs. Camille says I can go. I said, great, we're on. He said, yeah, man, I can hardly wait. I said, great, April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's not, that's a, oh. Did he want to kill you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no question about that. No question about that. But, at the, you know, I mean, looking back on it, I'd do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned uh, I missed out on $10,000 at Mililani Golf Course on the hole-in-one that I got that was no longer on the hole that's worth 10000 It's another hole. Right, I felt so bad for you. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Well, what you felt bad was that I wasn't going to have that money to buy you some adult beverages. Exactly. That that too. Yeah. Because I was thinking the Korean bar too. Yeah. Well, that can get expensive. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Real expensive. <laughs> I've heard stories. <laughs> um, but uh, have you had any hole-in-ones? I am proud to say I've had three hole-in-ones uh, all in the last mm, four years. And... Um, I've had one at Riviera at number 16. I had number uh, number eight at uh, Horseshoe Bay in Horseshoe Bay, Texas. And I had one at uh, Waikoloa Village, number four uh, there. And um, never once has I seen the ball go in the hole because at number 16 Riviera, it's a bowl-type setup green. And if the pin's in a certain spot, you just can't see it. And that was the first one. Second one was Horseshoe Bay, and uh, playing with um, a buddy of mine, Marcus Watts. And it's an elevated par three, so you know you hit up to the top of it, and you can't see it, and all like that. And then at Waikoloa Village, um, and which I'm probably the most proud of. Uh, again, it was tucked behind a little mound; you couldn't see it go in. But if it hadn't been for the par three at Waikoloa, or the hole in Waikoloa Village. I wouldn't have broken 130 that day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a pivotal hole-in-one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, there, you know, there's a, um, there's a question that people pose a lot uh, in reference to hole-in-ones. Um, do you think a hole-in-one is more luck or skill? Mm, I think it can be a, a combination and it can be uh, either one. And by that, I mean, you, you know, you can hit the uh, the ball 
left of the pin uh, and it hits a tree and bounces back on the green and rolls in the deal. And that is just pure luck, you know, no question about it. You can um, hit a once in a lifetime shot and, you know, like, you'll never hit that shot again and poop, it goes in there. But I think when it comes that a balance between the two is if on par threes, you're consistently on our par three or making a lot of par three pars or making a lot of birdies because you're in proximity to where the pin was, you know, and therefore you're going to do it. And, and par threes to me are generally speaking, the equalizing part for me when I'm playing a, 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 a better golfer than myself, because it's only, well, Riviera, it's 235 yards, you know, so it's different. Right, right. right. But generally a par three is going to be, 145 to 165 yards. I mean, come on. I mean, all I got to do is have five hybrid or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, Tommy, who we play with, Tommy right. Fa, right? Um, he's a high handicap, and he's had twenty uh, some hole on ones, mm-hmm. and he always tees off, and I think that's that kind of helps. Um, he's always teeing off with a wood whether it's a five wood, a seven wood, whatever, mm-hmm. um, on every par three, that's what he uses. He, uh, he doesn't use irons on par threes, but he's got 20 some hole in ones and he's a higher handicap golfer. I'm a lower handicap. What's your handicap right now? Uh, index 18.1. What is it? 18.1. Okay. So, um, that just goes to show you've had three already. I haven't been golfing as long as you have. I mean, I started when I was 26, 27 years old and I've only had one. I've been close a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the edge of the cup, right. I mean, an inch or two away. I've been close a lot of times, but I never ha- have had one. Mm-hmm. I did have a double eagle at Tamron Country Club in Toledo, Ohio. I was playing with my brother and some other guys. And hit my drive down the middle, and it was an elevated green, and I hit my second shot. I think it was a five wood. Hit my second shot. And it was tracking right at the pin. And I was telling those guys, I'm like, oh, that should be pretty good. But we couldn't see it because we just saw the top of the flag. Well, there was a maintenance worker working up at, up at the green, and he come flying down in his cart. and was like, it went in the hole. It went in the hole. I was like, holy cow. So I've had a double eagle. Which is an albatross. Albatross, which is rarer than a hole-in-one. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You think? Yeah. So I've had one of those. Have you had any of those? Uh you know, I was out boating, and uh, we didn't mean to hit the bird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's the, the, um, but it's pretty cool going to Turtle Bay and playing uh, the Palmer Course because there's uh, nesting sites right there on right that there. one, right after that, right uh, at that par three. When you go to that par three, eighteen, seventeen, sixteen, fifteen. I think it's like fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they usually have it roped off. Right. Right. You know, and they, you'll see some baby ones, baby albatross. I think that's the first time that, that that particular round that you and I played out there was the first time I took some serious money from you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to blame that on my partner. Well, needless the fact that I did shoot 80 at you. And... It took you a 50-foot putt that somehow you made. I don't know how it even went in the hole. Drugs. Um, <laughs> to, to win on that hole. And I missed that birdie putt to tie. Actually, you if you'd have made your putt, the eagle putt, you'd have won. You made your birdie putt. I made my birdie putt, and we tied. That Right, correct. Right. You're right, yeah. Right. And I had to make the birdie because you. I was supposed to get a stroke on that hole, if you remember. You did and get it. What do you mean you, you did you get a stroke? You took it away. You took it away. If we doubled the bet, which we did, I had to play without a stroke. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's right. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did take that stroke away if you doubled the bet. Because I, yeah. I was trying to get more of your money. Yeah, how'd that work out? It didn't work out good. <laughs> I, I ended up losing. That kind of sucked. Oh, this is too fun. Uh, what is, uh, what's the lowest round of golf you ever shot? 76. Nice. And uh, the first time I broke 80 was 78. And that was at Eagles Landing, which was a really... Well, a sad story for some people, but it was pretty happy for me. Uh, <clears throat> me and my uh, buddy, at the time my handicap was 18, so I was getting 
my 18 shots and away we go. And somehow we come around the front nine and I'm even parked coming to, to, to number nine and I double will get, uh, but need to say we're well ahead of the game in the money. And of course, everybody's waiting for the moment for the real Tommy to show up and to collapse and collect all the money. So we up the bet going to the backside. Somehow we go around the backside, we get to 18 and I'm even par again. And this is with no strokes. This is just net. And <laughs> you mean gross? Yeah, gross. Gross, gross. Yeah. no strokes. Yeah, I'm so used to putting me in net, but it's just gross. So, so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, all you got to do is uh, par this hole and it's par five and you shoot 74 because you're just uh, a two over, right? That's what he told you. No, that's what I. Oh, that's what you were thinking. And that's myself. the dreaded, dread, dreaded kiss of yeah. death when oh, you yeah. do that. Yep. So par five, I take it uh, a nine, uh, <laughs> shoot 78. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's why I'm saying. That's why this game is so damn mental. I mean, you, I could be having a good round, and I make the mistake of, all right, well, shoot, I'm three under. If I just par this hole, I'll be two under for the round. Right. And then I end up bogeying it or double bogeying it. Right. I mean, it's mental totally mental it, uh, it, it 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 gets you it yeah. gets you so why do you think golf is the number one sport i would i would in my opinion it's the number one sport i mean like you mentioned before you're out there by yourself nobody nobody to count on but yourself there's no referees you've got to you got to call the penalty on yourself which cost me a, a club championship back on the mainland when I was uh, uh, playing the club championship at Lost Creek Country Club. Uh, I went to putt my ball and I took my stance and put my putter behind my ball. As I did that, the ball rolled forward a little bit, not much, just a little bit. And I backed off the ball and I was like, oh, Jesus. And the guy that I was playing was at the other end of the green down at the, the front of the green. And he's like, what, what happened? Did a, a bug get on your ball or something? I go, no, the, the ball moved. So I had to call that penalty on myself. I didn't, I didn't have to say anything, but that's the, that's what I love about this sport. It, it, you gotta have integrity. You gotta make those calls, even when it's not in your favor to call that penalty on yourself. So that's what I kinda, what I like about it is I'm not relying on anybody else. I'm relying on myself and I have the integrity to call a penalty on myself if if even if it's going to cost me the match or money for that matter right why do you think golf is number one well when i look back on it golf was a a, a business decision for me in that i'm thinking to myself when in the early 70s there was tennis there was golf there was a racquetball craze uh, i played a lot of handball i played a lot of racquetball and in business you're trying to figure out okay, what can I do to uh, do with customers and clients and things like that? And so I analyzed them both. And uh, McEnroe was a big guy with tennis at the time and him and Jimmy Connors. And, and if you know, they, they're like spoiled brats out there. You know, they're, you know, particularly McEnroe. I mean, it was like, Jesus Christ, man, you know? Um, and I thought to myself, okay, in tennis, there appears to be a lot of arguing. You know, was it in, was it out? Uh, did it hit the net? Uh, you know, a lot of things. I, I didn't. I didn't know the game, but I mean, it just seemed a lot. A lot of bickering. So I thought to myself, well, I don't need to do that with a client, whether his ball went in, went out, and whatever, and and lose a client. But in golf, the better you are, the more your client loves you. You know, and you can beat him like a drum. And he didn't. You know, he's proud of you. He wants to bring you back and show him off to your friends and all like that. So I said to myself this help my business help me and it's a lot of fun so from a business decision it's the right thing from a fun decision it's the right thing and it and it and there's that old saying that uh, uh, you know they say sports builds character i think golf shows character and yeah and, yeah i would agree with that you know and uh, and you you see when you're out there and uh, some people that we play with you you think to yourself I'm real glad it'll work for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. So, you know, it, uh, to me, it's, it, it, it's the perfect. And, and again, at the end, at the end of the day, um, it's, I don't see a senior tennis circuit, a senior soccer circuit, a senior NFL, a senior NBA, a senior MLB. It's senior golf. You know, they used to even have super seniors. 
right right and uh and so it's it's for the love of the game yeah yeah i can't wait till um i get to the age that i can um actually shoot my age i was close <laughs> that was my next question have you ever shot your age no 76 is the lowest and i've got a little ways to go there oh well you're only one one stroke off yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not my age, it's the mileage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's take a break and we'll be right back after this. This podcast is brought to you by Smart Boy Studios, the best studio and artist collective out of the state of Ohio. Smart Boy Studios provides recording, mixing, and mastering services, as well as any other audio post-production you need. Whether you're looking to put out a new single, put together an audio book for your bestseller, or make your podcast the best it can be, visit www.smartboystudios.com today. Dicasso, an artist on Smart Boy Entertainment, just dropped his new album, Suburban King, The Story of Westerly Drive. Available on all streaming platforms now. Physical copies are also available on the Smart Boy Studios website. The album features Grammy-nominated writer Troy Hayes, music from all Smart Boy Entertainment producers, and some of the best vocal talent from the Midwest. Suburban King tells the story of Dicasso's youth, moving from the inner city to a suburban neighborhood, and the trials and tribulations of adolescence, racism, and adapting to a new environment. Search Dicasso, that's D-C-A-S-S-O, on your favorite streaming platform or visit www.smartboystudios.com to check it out. If you'd like to support Smart Boy Studios and their artists, visit threads.smartboystudios.com to check out their merch. They have hoodies, hats, shirts, and more. Welcome back, everybody. Both of you. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to take this disrespect on my podcast, Tommy. Uh, if you like what we hear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please tell your friends. Both of them. That's right. <laughs> Let everybody know. Come and listen to the podcast. So... I think we left off talking about your your uh, anger management. I think or something around there. What uh, with all this coronavirus stuff going on? Um, obviously, we don't get an opportunity to play like we used to. We were playing what three, four times a week. Yeah, at least. Yeah, and I was playing four or five times a week. Yeah. Obviously, we're not able to do that. I've been practicing putting on the carpet, but. That's not the same. What have you been doing anything for this coronavirus stuff? Uh, primarily <clears throat> on the uh, swing sticks. You know what those are, right? Where they're is it like weights. wind resist all oh, weights? You know, and uh, so you swing those. And uh, our friend Billy gave us uh, those. So I've been using those, and I've been trying to. Um, if you, it, it, I don't know if most people have noticed, but I have noticed there aren't a whole lot of fat golfers out there. <laughs> not a lot. Not yeah. a lot. There's a few, <laughs> right? And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I can maybe lose some girth, maybe I can increase that swing speed, make that turn better, um, get that, you know, um, instead of uh, watching late night TV, trying to find five, 10 yards, um, get in better shape. Yeah. What have you been doing to get in better shape? Um, well, the other day, as I told you, I used that row machine for 30 minutes, which was probably wasn't a good idea to do it the first day, 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to kind of, if you haven't been working me. out on a continuous basis, you might want to ease into some things, yeah. Tommy. So I didn't do that, uh, you know. So uh, and I've got uh, a massive gym uh, to to use uh, with many many machines, and um, no embarrassment because no one else is there but me. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do is just trying to. Uh, my goal is to lose the ten pounds and uh, see if I can, you know, develop more club head speed to get right. that, you know, cause I think uh, my friend Bob May was telling me for every one mile an hour, you get four yards. If I'm remembering correctly, something like that. And, yeah. And four yards can make, you know, uh, eight yards is a club, right? Right. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, I haven't been doing a whole lot. Um, I, with this coronavirus thing, it's really threw off my schedule. I'm not, I'm not uh, back to work yet, so uh, that's what kind of spawned this podcast. Was one thing is not not working my two other jobs. I haven't. Uh, I got thrown off my rhythm a little bit. I had a I had a, a um, 
I don't want to say schedule, but I had a routine, you know, that I was used to. Right. Well, and, and, um, and now I, with this, I sit around here and, and work on this kind of stuff and watch TV and you just eat a lot. And so. Well, well I think, you know, the, and to get thrown off your rhythm because you are Catholic, that's difficult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, and, and I hear you about the TV thing. I mean, I think uh, I'm, told you the other day my friend david was telling me that the corona trapped him so much that uh he's watching reruns on pornhub uh, <laughs> and i mean you got to be watching a lot of pornhub to get reruns yeah <laughs> yeah i would think i wouldn't know i no, wouldn't know I, myself I, but you know, i don't even know how to get there i'll take i'll take your buddy's right, word for right, it right you know. <laughs> don't even know what it exactly is yeah I don't, i'm not sure what that is either is that a new device software device you use for your computer or? so i thought it was an interpretation of sometimes my golf scores because <laughs> i look at it and go this is really <laughs> Uh, you know, so good. You know, I don't know. You know, but uh, but you know, I mean, um, uh, the Corona thing has, has changed all of our lives, right? And uh, and you can't. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's sort of like the old sayings that people go at the end of the day, or the other side of the coin, or whatever. And, and you know, the new old saying is, "I've never seen anything like this." Well, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the, the, the main, I, I guess the main problem I have with the way that our uh, local government is handling the situation is that there are, uh, my brother, the, they're all playing golf on the mainland. Right. Um, golf courses are not where these people are getting, contracting the disease. No. It's the perfect place to be. You're outdoors, the UV light kills the stuff for one. For two, it's so everybody's taking their own cart. You're right, not riding right. with anybody. Right. Um, and everybody's social distancing for the most part. Nobody, it's not coming from golf courses, but our illustrious governor on this island decided that we're going to keep our golf courses closed, or our mayor, I should say. Right. Um, there's no sense in it. None. Uh, he just recently opened up the beaches and the hiking trails, but you have to go by yourself. Correct. You can sit on the beach by yourself. Right. Or you can hike by yourself, have a mishap by yourself, and die by yourself. Yeah. You, know, you can't have somebody there to, to, to back you up. You're always told, you know, and swim women. With, swim with two. Swim with right. two. Dive with two. Right. You know, women are not going to feel comfortable going on a trail hiking by themselves. No. No. I mean, that's, I wouldn't allow, if I had a wife or a girlfriend i wouldn't allow them to go by themselves to hike and i think the other thing that they're missing is that no one can argue that um, suicides and domestic violence and uh, other acts of of, of of aggression or frustration take place because of the quarantine so if anything you'd want to have something like golf where people are going outside they're, 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 they're embracing mother nature, they're playing a sport, they're in the sunlight, they're uh, conversing with other people. Um, it, it, nothing could be more healthy than right. to be on a golf course with other human beings versus stuck in your home by yourself. Um, it, it, the common sense is just evaporated yeah. in the mayor's yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. So I, I I probably doubt that he is, but Mr. Mayor, if you're listening to this podcast, open the golf courses. Yeah, There's no sure. reason for them to be closed. Exactly. They were open before. They were open before, and none of the, the, the contact tracing or the, uh, or the positive results were coming from golf courses. They right. were coming from pockets on the island, like the west side, out in Waianae and, and, and other areas. They're not coming from people playing golf. No. No, and and I think the other the other thing that not that the, he's listening to this podcast, but if he was, well, open the golf courses. We may send it to him. Um, but the other thing is, is that people um, that are making these life altering decisions um, have paychecks. They're government employees. They're the mayor, the governor, the senators, the House of Representatives, city councilmen. None of them are missing a paycheck. You know, none right. of them. But all their constituents are missing paychecks 
we have a half a million people in this state that depend on tourism. And yet our leadership is doing everything they possibly can to kill that industry. Yeah, everything. it's nuts. It's crazy. You know, it's crazy. Know, it's, it, it's shameful. But um, yeah. Well, Tommy, hey, I enjoy um, talking to you. Um, I love playing golf with you, obviously, other than having to give you a stroke a hole, even on par threes, which I think is ridiculous. By the way, people that are listening, if you can leave me a message, if you go to my anchor site and leave me a message about how you feel about a person taking strokes on a par three, let me know what you feel about that. Because my feelings, I've made them clear to Tommy. Uh, I think it's a little me less masculine of him to take strokes on par threes. And he's even admitted that some of those par threes play 145 to 160 yards. There's no reason to get a stroke on that hole. But for some reason, because yeah. my handicap is low and his yeah. is high, I have to give him those strokes. That's ridiculous. But yeah. let me know what you guys think on the on the, on the the uh, podcast. One, yeah. leave, us, leave <laughs> us with one last word. I'm not even going to refer to what you're doing right there because we both know. And there's some listeners out there listening that know what you mean by that. And I, you should be looking in the mirror when you're saying that little meow, because you are the one that are getting the strokes, not me. Well, I think that, that, that we should all remember that um, golf is very much like sex. And that is that you don't have to be very good at it to enjoy it. That is true. <laughs> Let's end the podcast on that. <laughs> Tommy, thank you very much for thank joining you, us today. Love you, brother. Uh, I love you, man. Uh, Thanks for doing this, and hopefully I'll have you back on again um, and talk some more golf. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this podcast um, and want to hear more, please send me a message. Or if you have any questions or um, topics that you want us to, to discuss on the podcast, shoot me an email at mersplace 808 at gmail.com, or you can go to my anchor site and leave me a message there. I can actually incorporate some of those messages into the podcast. So if you want to leave me a message, a voice message or whatever, you can do that. Um, if you want to support the podcast and bring more content, there's a, a tab there that you can uh, click on to, to support the podcast. But I, I hope everybody has a great day. I hope I, I appreciate everybody coming in and listening. And uh, obviously you can listen to this podcast on the majority of the streaming sites. It's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, the Anchor site, and a whole lot more. Uh, I hope everybody has a great week. And I will see you next week. <laughs>